When witches go riding and black cats are seen, the moon laughs and whispers, "'Tis near Halloween." If you like to learn, but lack enough time, to locate the reason or translate the rhyme, with magical knowledge from ancient tomes on the shelf, I bring Halloween topics to geek thyself. Hello everyone, I'm Heather and I'll be your host for this podcast. Halloween is my favorite holiday and my favorite spooky time of the year. So park your broom at the door and listen for a spell as I brew up some Halloween topics for this week and the rest of October. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. So just like I've been telling you, this week I'm doing a special episode where I'm going to be reading a book. It is a Halloween-themed book, however, it is geared towards ages 9 to 12. So it is for sort of middle school, late elementary school age. So for some adults, this may not be their favorite episode, but I wanted to do something a little different for Halloween. And luckily, this publisher, Henderson Publishing, was very generous and willing to let me read their book on my show. Um, They're a great company. They've got a bunch of different children's books ranging from elementary all the way up to middle school age and young adult age. And they've got a lot of different options. They've got some fun titles. Um, The one I'm reading today is Mr. Boggarty, the Halloween Grump. They've also got a lot of books that are great for younger readers, things like Sharky Dreams of Pizza and The Short Straw that are picture books for younger children and ranging all the way up into the middle school age. So I definitely recommend you check them out. Their website is Handerson, and that's H-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N, publishing.com. It's a husband and wife uh, running everything, Tevin Hansen, who's actually the author of the book I'm reading today, and then his wife, uh, Nicole. They've both been very generous with letting me do this, so I definitely recommend you check them out, especially if you have any children in your family that like books that are a little different and unique, but really fun and entertaining. Another thing is that because I'm reading a book today, I'm not going to be doing a mid-roll. So instead, I'm just going to hit you with some of the high points right now, and then I'll get into reading the story. Okay, so the biggest thing is that next week, actually not even next week, literally in about two days, is when the Nerdsmith's Nerdsgiving drive is going to start. It's a fundraiser to support the Trevor Project. I've talked about it a little bit here already during the mid-rolls, but I do really want to urge everyone to go look into it more. TheTrevorProject.org is the website if you want to find out more about the charity. They do great work with LGBTQ plus youth in terms of suicide prevention and crisis intervention. They're really a great group, a good cause. Nerdsmith is really excited to be supporting them, and I encourage you to look into it. You can go to nerdsmith.org slash nerds giving, and you'll find more information on the Nerds Giving Charity Fundraiser there and how you can donate. And with that, we're going to get into Mr. Boggarty, the Halloween Grump. Again, thank you to Henderson Publishing and Tevin Hansen, the author, for letting me read this story on my podcast. The summary for anyone who's interested. Halloween is all about scary pranks, ghost stories, and trick-or-treating. Unless you're Mr. Boggarty, the meanest guy on the block. 
Trix and her friends are going to teach Mr. Boggarty a lesson this year, but they may be in for more than they bargained for. The Halloween Grump Mr. Boggarty is the mean old man who lives in the big spooky house at the end of Shady Way. His house is old and ugly and in need of a paint job and a new roof. There's no fence, no grass, no flowers, and only one tree, a tall, ugly tree that looks like a huge skeleton hand reaching down to grab anyone who gets too close. Kids from the other side of town have heard of him, and even they know it's wise to keep away. And the further away, the better. As far as the house goes, other than being old and ugly, Mr. Bogarty's mansion is also very spooky. If I were a ghost, kids would say, I'd want to live in that house. Most kids think Mr. Bogarty's house should be spelled S-P-O-O-K-H-O-U-S-E. Naturally, kids have always assumed that the owner of such a spooky house must be the grumpiest, meanest person who ever lived. Neighborhood kids have nothing to base this on, since no one ever dares to speak to Mr. Bogarty. Think of the grumpiest, ugliest, most shriveled up old man you can, some kid might say, when asked about Mr. Bogarty. Can you picture in your mind? Well, Mr. Bogarty is ten times uglier, meaner, and more shriveled up than that. What's the meanest thing he's ever done? Some new kid might ask. To which the reply is always, what hasn't he done? How about not hand out Halloween calendar? candy for the last 15 years. Mr. Bogarty doesn't like kids and he doesn't like Halloween. He's the Halloween grump. Candy. Every kid believes that all adults should hand out treats on Halloween, even if it's gross stuff like black licorice or candy corn or those disgusting circus peanuts that taste like styrofoam. Most kids can't stand these types of gross candy, but it's still better than getting nothing. Kids may be young, but they are observant enough to know that money can be a touchy subject with parents. But those same kids are candy experts. They will quickly tell you that the pharmacy down the road sells cheap candy for 99 cents a bag and how grown-ups need to get their priorities straight when October 31st rolls around. Trixie Cole, speaker of Plain Truth, often says, Kids in America need sugar. It's a scientifically proven fact that kids require sugar to survive. Trix usually says things like this while sucking down a 64-ounce Slurpee or seeing who can stuff the most bubble tape in their mouth. I'm no doctor, Trix would say, but I do know that kids need sugar for a healthy, growing body. We don't need a sugar IV or anything, just five or six servings a day. All her friends agreed. It's like that pyramid with the five groups that they teach us about at school, Trix went on. Haven't you guys ever noticed that super small pointy part at the top? The part with the word sugar written inside it? If grown-ups knew what they were talking about, they'd change the words around so that sugar was written inside the box at the bottom. In the kid world, not handing out candy on Halloween is wrong, 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 wrong. Trixie. If there's one kid who rules the neighborhood, it is definitely Trixie Cole. She's a tough one to explain. She has short blonde hair, a mostly pretty face, when she's not scowling. And she's tougher than most of the neighborhood boys. Mr. Cole is a professional hockey player. He gets paid to slam other hockey players into the boards and sometimes gets into fights. He is very tough. So is his daughter. Most kids around the neighborhood know not to mess with Trixie Cole. And if there's one thing kids at school know not to call her, it would be to never, ever, ever call her Pretty Princess. That would be bad. Jonathan Booth, a fifth grade bully, had to learn this the hard way, the humiliating way. 
Trix was playing tetherball down on the school playground with her friends one day when Jonathan came looking for trouble. He found it all right. He made the pretty princess comment, which got a giggle from his friends. The next thing he knew, he found himself knocked to the ground in pain and missing a tooth. "'Who's the princess now?' Trix asked, standing over Jonathan ready to strike again. "'Smile for me, pretty princess.' Trix had knocked out one of Jonathan's front teeth with a solid elbow to the face. If Mr. Cole had done this same thing in a hockey game, he would have been sent to the penalty box for two minutes. Trix got sent home for the rest of the day, which was kind of like a double bonus instead of a penalty. But that's not the scary part. The scary part is that all this happened three years ago. Trix was in second grade at the time. No one messed with her since. Frank. Frank's parents aren't cruel, but they did name their only child Frank. That's pretty cruel. Frank's parents are Mr. and Mrs. Dinkins. They are very nice people, but Trix thinks they're complete sickos for giving their only son such a boring, old-fashioned name. It's a name that practically begs to be made fun of, with nicknames like Frankenbeans or Frankfurter or Frankenfarter. Frank is really smart. He gets straight A's in all his classes. He's a nice kid with good manners, but he also has a weird disease. It's not really a disease, but sometimes he gets made fun of because he talks backwards. Frank has something called reverse speech syndrome. If you say, hi Frank, how are you today? Then Frank might respond with, asking for thanks fine, just am I. Most kids can figure out what he said if it's something easy, but if you get into a conversation with him, watch out. Frank has some really weird dreams too. He loves to tell people about them. He might say, Means it think you do what? Me at peanut throwing and school at playground, the around me chasing monkeys evil of pack a, a about dream weirdest the had I let night last. What guess, hey? Sometimes he catches himself when he says something backwards, then he turns his words around and says it the right way. Most times he doesn't even notice. Darren. Darren is Trix's best friend. They live next door to each other and they both like lots of the same stuff. They like the same music, the same video games, the same sports, even the same foods, except for sushi. Trix drew the line at sushi. She learned all about it at Darren's birthday dinner last month. Ew, what is this nasty stuff? She asked very loudly at a popular sushi restaurant. It's sashimi, Darren told her. Try it, you'll like it. Raw fish? Trix had her face all squished up. I don't even like cooked fish. Instead of trying it, she pigged out on miso soup and edamame. Then she sat there and watched Darren and his family pig out on eel, octopus, and raw salmon. So other than the whole raw fish thing, Trix figures that she and Darren are pretty much exactly alike. Here's the catch. Trix claims that Darren is the one who always gets her into trouble. Darren claims it's the other way around. Trix has often said, I wouldn't trade Darren for anyone else in the whole world. Most days. Darby. Darby is from Australia. He has a unique accent which makes him popular just for that. He's always saying funny things like, No, mate, sounds like some bloody hot yaka. Or, sure, mate, that sounds like the dinkadee. Darby gets into trouble sometimes for the things he says. Last week, when he asked the teacher a question in Aussie speak, Yes, Darby, asked their teacher, Miss Shields, do you have a question? No, Sheila, just need a trip to the dunny, you know. Gotta take care of some shonky business, you dig? Mrs. Shields thought he said something really bad, but all he said was that he needed to use the bathroom. Darby came to their school halfway through third grade. His folks split up back in Australia, so he and his mom moved to America, where she married an American bloke. 
Trix and her friends liked Darby right away. They all liked the way he talked and how he always made them laugh with all the funny things he said. Girls liked him because they thought he was cute. Boys liked him because he owned a dirt bike. Preston. Preston is tough, but he's not as tough as Trix. He is definitely the biggest daredevil at school. Even the sixth graders can't compete with him. Preston is always coming up with crazy things to do. Just last week, someone dared him to walk along the railing in front of the school. It was pretty impressive considering that the railing is over a hundred feet long. The bad part was that he got caught because the railing was right outside the school's main office. The principal was in his office doing paperwork when he looked outside and saw a student walking past his window. Another time, Preston climbed up onto the roof of his house so he could jump onto a tree ten feet away. He landed perfectly on the branch, but then the branch snapped in half and he fell. Preston broke his wrist on the landing. But some good came of it. Because of his cast, he got all kinds of special treatment from his parents, stuff like watching movies, extra ice cream at dinner time, and he got out of helping with the household chores. Plus, he didn't have to do homework for six weeks because the cast was on his right arm, his homework arm. Trix got grounded for a whole month because of that stunt. Her mom found out that she was the one that dared him to do it. Halloween Around the World In Mexico, kids celebrate Day of the Dead instead of Halloween. It sounds really bad, but it's not. It's a wonderful celebration with lots of candy and fireworks. Frank's family knows all about Halloween in Mexico because they flew down there two years ago for a church mission trip. When they came back, Frank had a million stories to tell. People love Halloween down in Mexico, Frank told them when he got back. They thought the trip had miraculously fixed his reverse speech syndrome. Then Frank said, Stuff fun of kinds all and parade big a have and candy homemade make and fireworks offshoot they, treating or tricking going of instead. In Austria, people leave bread and something to drink on the kitchen table on the night of Halloween. They do this just in case any souls that have departed the earth come back and get hungry. In China, people do the same kind of thing, only instead of bread, they put a bowl of noodles in front of family pictures. Then they light a candle so their departed family members can see in the dark and don't get lost on their way home. In Australia, where Darby's from, people don't celebrate Halloween at all. Darby had to explain to everyone that people in Australia celebrate some famous guy who died hundreds of years ago. Back in all, us kids don't have Halloween like you blokes, Darby told them. Instead, we celebrate Guy Fawkes. Guy farts? Trixie asked. Fox, mate, Darby corrected her. Guy Fox, keeper of the gunpowder. You see, way back when, in 1605, I reckon, old Foxy come, a gun come Augusta when those pollies came to have a Captain Cook, you dig? Someone would usually say, sure, Darby, we dig, even though they had no idea what he was talking about. Darby was always going on and on about Oz, which is a nickname for Australia. They all had to admit that the place sounded really cool and kind of scary. First off, it's an island where all the criminals were sent to live, so it's kind of like a humongous Alcatraz prison. But they have lots of cool stuff in Australia. Great white sharks, stingrays, and giant jellyfish that can paralyze every muscle in your body. Australia sounds pretty neat, Trix told him. But no Halloween? That's just not right. In America, people hand out candy. If you don't, then prepare for retaliation. Eggs. It all started one day at the end of summer vacation. That's when Trix, who was already thinking months ahead, came up with a brilliant idea for a Halloween prank. 
Out of the blue, Trix said, Why don't we egg Mr. Boggarty's house this year for Halloween? That mean old geezer never hands out candy on Halloween. He hates kids, and he hates Halloween. His house deserves to get splattered with rotten eggs. Every kid knows that if you're planning on egging somebody's house, the best thing to use is a rotten egg. And not just one or two rotten eggs. You need a lots of them. Cartons of them. The very same day that Trix came up with her brilliant idea, each of them went home and took a full carton of eggs from the fridge. Everybody's mom asked the same thing. Honey, have you seen the carton of eggs I just bought? The standard reply was, nope, sorry mom, I have no idea what you're talking about. They hid five cartons of eggs in the woods just down the road from Trix's house. And to get the eggs extra rotten, they poked in a pin-sized hole in the top of each egg, allowing air to get in and rot the insides. That was back in August. By the time October rolled around, the eggs were completely rancid. They had rotted to a pukey, putrid perfection. Preston let them test one on him. Do it, Darby, throw it! All right, mate, simmer down, Darby said. Let me get me good arm on, all right? It was Trix's idea to test one out, and since Darby was the best at baseball, he got to throw the egg. He launched the putrid projectile as hard as he could right at Preston. The rotten egg exploded all over Preston's shirt, splattering in his face, in his hair, even on his neck and shoulder. Somehow a huge chunk even got lodged in his ear. The smell was so bad that Preston had to take off his shirt during the walk home. The disgusting smell was burning everyone's nostrils. "'I think the eggs are ready,' Trix said, pulling her own shirt up over her nose. Then Darby came up with the best dare of all. He dared Preston to eat one of the eggs." It was the first time that Preston chickened out on a dare. No one held it up against him, though. Those eggs were practically radioactive. Costumes Frank's mom is a seamstress. This Halloween, she did a great job with his costume. Frank looked just like a mutant ninja turtle, right down to his cool green mask. It was a great improvement over last year's costume, which cost him a trip to the dentist because of a chipped tooth. Last Halloween, Frank went as his favorite chess piece, a rook. The costume looked great, even had a built-in candy bag attached to the front, but there were no armholes in his costume. So on Halloween night, at the very first house they ran up to, Frank made it up the stairs just fine, but then he took a bad fall on the way down. He ended up with a chipped tooth and a really cool black eye, all purple and yellow. Preston decided to go as the world's most infamous monster, green monster, Frankenstein. Unfortunately, Preston's mom wasn't any good at sewing. He was dressed entirely in green, right down to his socks. The only problem was that nobody knew who he was supposed to be. The Jolly Green Giant? Preston guessed. The Incredible Hulk? Darren suggested. Fed up, Preston shouted, Frankenstein! Trix said, Oh, I thought you were dressed up like a giant booger. Preston chose Frankenstein because he was forced to read the book for summer school, the graphic novel anyway. The weirdest part was that he actually enjoyed it. Now he was slowly reading his way through the real book, which was even scarier. Darren went as his favorite movie character, Captain Jack Sparrow. He looked just like the guy from the movies. If you closed your eyes and ignored the fact that he sounded like a 12-year-old pirate, you'd think you were talking to the real Captain Jack. Their teacher, Mrs. Shield, loved those movies too. She thought it was the funniest thing when Darren answered her questions in class yesterday using his Captain Jack voice. But his act got old real quickly. He'd been doing it all day at school, annoying everyone he encountered with a barrage of movie quotes. By lunchtime, Trix wanted to poke him right in the eye, the one without a patch. So she did. 
Darby's costume was by far the most bizarre. He made it himself, and by the looks of it, he worked really hard to get everything just right. His costume consisted of a long, skinny cardboard box, all painted up silver, which he then crawled into and wore like a jacket. Several empty paper towel rolls were stuck to the top of his head, representing the handle. His face was painted up like an on-off switch. Give up? I'm a vac, Darby said when everyone was out of guesses. Everyone looked at him funny. A what? I'm a vacuum cleaner, mate. See, listen here. Darby even tape-recorded his mom vacuuming the house so he could have sound effects. Oi, authentic sound, mate. Darby pressed the stop button on his tape recorder. Well, what you think? How'd I do for my first homemade Halloween costume? Great, Darby, Trick said. Really different. Having been in the USA for only a couple years, Darby hadn't quite gotten the hang of Halloween. Everyone gave him full credit for originality. Trix's costume idea came from her favorite book, A Wonderful Adventure Story, written by L. Frank Baum. Unlike Preston, she had always enjoyed reading, and if anyone ever gave her grief about it, she punched them. The book was called The Wizard of Oz. That movie was made back in the 1800s, Preston told her. It was the first movie ever made, back when movie cameras were first invented. I read that somewhere, I think. Darren, Preston, Frank, and Darby had to force themselves not to laugh when Trix came out the front door wearing her Halloween costume. She was dressed up like Dorothy. She looked very cute in her blue dress, pigtails, and bright red shoes. It was just weird to see her dressed like that. None of them had ever seen her wear a dress before. Normally, she wore ripped jeans, t-shirts, and worn-out sneakers. What? Trix said, eyeing them suspiciously. Why are you guys laughing? We're not laughing. One of them accidentally let out a snort. Trix cracked her knuckles. October 31st. By 4.30 p.m., Trix and her friends were all set to pull off the greatest Halloween prank ever, or at least the best prank this year. Everyone was sitting on the steps outside Trix's house in costume, waiting for the sun to go down. The unwritten rule of Halloween night is that big kids can't start trick-or-treating until it's completely dark outside. Little kids can start early, though. Frank said, Trick-or-treating start, can we so outside dark get and up hurry would it wish I? Me too, mate, Darby said. Can't wait to get a nibble on, especially some of that yummy chalk. It wasn't quite dark yet, but the neighborhood was already alive with kids running around and acting like lunatics. Some older neighborhood kids were already lighting off firecrackers and bottle rockets. Out of boredom, Trix dared Preston to ring someone's doorbell and scream trick-or-treat as loud as he could. As usual, Preston did it in two seconds. Too bad for him that he picked Mrs. Wickerby's house when he screamed, Trick-or-treat! Right in front of Mrs. Wickerby's face, the moment she opened the door, she freaked out. The poor old woman was so startled that she whacked Preston over the head with the dustpan she was holding. Then she chased him all over the front yard with it. Everyone watched this happen from the other side of the road, laughing until their sides hurt. Into the house. By 5 p.m., Trix and the others were crouched behind the big ugly tree in Mr. Bogarty's front yard. It was completely dark outside by now, so they were all safe from sight, hidden from any nosy onlookers. No one would catch them because nobody ever bothered walking down to the end of Shady Way where Mr. Bogarty lived, alone, in his big spooky mansion. There were no streetlights nearby, so no one would notice them launching five cartons of rotten eggs at his house. You guys ready? Um... You sound nervous, Darren, Trix said. You sure you aren't too chicken to do this? Darren tried to answer in his Captain Jack voice, but nothing came out. 
He was scared, but he wasn't letting on. They'd all pulled Halloween pranks before, but nothing like this, and never on anyone so mean. On the off chance that they got caught, there was no telling what Mr. Boggarty might do. Darren suddenly unsheathed his jeweled plastic sword and shouted, Down with the old bugger, matey! Then he raced across Mr. Boggarty's front yard and up the porch steps. The others watched him inch his way along the porch, slowly creeping his way towards the front door. The plan was to ding-dong ditch Mr. Boggarty's house to make sure he wasn't home before blasting the outside with stinky rotten eggs. Darren reached the window closest to the front door. The curtains were closed, so nothing could be seen inside. Then he stopped. That was as far as he could go. His legs had stopped working. He had suddenly become paralyzed by fear. "'What's he doing?' Preston whispered. "'Dunno, mate,' Darby said. "'Having second thoughts by the looks of it.' Finally, after watching Darren for about a minute, they realized he wasn't going any further. Not without help. "'Come on,' Trick said. "'He's going to ruin it for all of us.' With Trix in the lead, the rest of them raced across the lawn, keeping low to the ground, joining their frozen friend on the porch. He looked like a mime, not a fearless pirate." "'Well, well, well, what's this I see? It's me first mates,' Captain Darren said, trying to act as if everything was under control. "'This is a soiree for one, matey. I've got things under control, savvy?' "'Darren,' Trix whispered. "'Drop the accent, okay? Otherwise I'm going to have to hurt you.' "'Sorry,' Darren said in his normal voice. He whispered, "'I wasn't scared until I got up here. Now my legs won't move.' "'Yeah, we noticed,' Trix said." She began pushing him toward the front door. Hey, Darren hissed. Quit shoving me, Dorothy. I'll go when I'm good and ready. We don't have all night, Trix said. If somebody doesn't take charge, we'll never get it done, so get moving, Captain. Darren continued to make up excuses about chickening out, so Trix shoved him out of the way and headed straight for the front door. She tried the doorknob. Creak. The door opened. The prank. Light from the living room spilled out onto the front porch. There were no sounds coming from inside the house, so that was a good sign. From where they stood, it looked like the coast was clear. Trix was ready, but one thing still bothered her. You guys, Trix asked, why is the living room light still on? It was the first time she could ever remember seeing a light on inside Mr. Boggarty's house on Halloween night. His house was always completely dark, long before trick-or-treaters started parading the streets. Trix cautiously poked her head inside. "'What do you see?' Darren asked. "'What's in there? Is it one big torture chamber?' Darren squealed like a piglet when Trix grabbed him by the wrist and yanked him inside. He slapped his free hand over his face, hoping to shield his eyes from the horrors within. Trix was not impressed. "'This place isn't scary,' Trix said." Looks like the most boring guy on the planet lives here. She expected to see bugs crawling on the floor, or maybe giant spider webs stretching across the ceiling. She imagined dozens of creepy taxidermy animal heads nailed to the walls, or paintings of demons and other scary stuff hanging everywhere. Mutilated sculptures, blood-spattered walls. Not kitsch. There was a dusty old area rug spread out on the living room floor, and all sorts of antique furniture that looked like it hadn't been sat on in years. The floors were all hardwood, and the walls were done up with decorative trim. There were lots of pictures hanging on the walls, but nothing morbid. There was even one painting of a cartoony-looking guy standing on a bridge, holding his face and letting out a scream. 
Get in here, you guys, Trix poked her head back out the front door. The other three were still on the porch, huddled together, too scared to enter. Come on, you chickens, Trix said. It's safe. There's nobody here but us. Because Trix seemed so confident that nobody was home, they decided it must be safe to enter Mr. Bogarty's house. Darren was busy exploring when suddenly he stopped. He was the first one to notice it. Trix? Darren asked. Why is there a jack-o'-lantern on the table? It was true. There was a pumpkin on the table. It had a silly face carved into it. Two elongated eyes and a big pumpkin-y smile. There was a candle flickering inside. That's weird, Trix said. I wonder why there's a Halloween pumpkin. Before she had a chance to think about it, the others toppled over each other, falling onto the living room floor in a big heap. They'd been trying to see inside without actually stepping into Mr. Bogarty's house. Then they all lost their balances. We did it, mates, Darren said in his pirate voice. We besieged old Bogarty's captain without so much as a wink of trouble. Now that he realized Mr. Bogarty's house was empty, his courage had magically returned. Shh, Trix hissed. Be quiet, Captain Big Mouth. Something's wrong. They waited a while. They listened a while longer. When nothing happened, Trix shrugged off her uneasy feeling. Then with a big grin on her face, she produced her carton of rotten eggs. The others did the same. Change of plans, guys, Trix announced. We're going to egg the inside of Mr. Bogarty's house. The place will smell bad for weeks. Five cartons of rotten eggs were ready to fly. Ready, Trix said. Aim, Preston said. Everyone had an egg in their hand ready to launch. They were finally going to get Mr. Bogarty back for all these years of never handing out candy. We need to hurry up, Frank whispered. Something or warthogs into all us turn hill or house his egging us catching and homecoming Bogarty Mr. Don't want, don't we? Before Frank could spit out another backwards sentence, the door slammed shut and then the lights went out. The ghost. Where are you guys? Trix had her hands out in front of her, searching for her friends in the dark. I can't see a thing. Over here, someone said. Over here where? Trix asked. It was so dark that no one knew what was happening. Everyone was bumping into each other, falling down, and crashing into tables and chairs. Preston, is that you? Trix asked when she grabbed someone's box-shaped arm. Steady, mate, Darby yelped. You messing up me costume. Sorry, Darby, Trix said. If you hadn't noticed, it's kind of hard to see right now. There wasn't even a smidge of light peeking in through the windows, not from a street light, car headlight, or neighborhood mom or dad carrying a flashlight. The house was like a giant shadow. Nervous voices echoed in the dark. What's going on? What's happening? Here of out get, can we? So door the find, please, somebody will. Five frightened kids fumbled around in the dark, not knowing what was going on. All sorts of horrible scenarios played out in their minds, thinking about what was going to happen if they didn't find a way out soon. Somebody screamed. Panic set in when the ghostly green light appeared at the end of the hallway. Everyone noticed it at the exact same time. Being so dark, it was kind of hard to miss. A huge green light was coming down the hall towards them. There was something else in the house with them. A bright green ghost came flying into the room. It floated all around the living room, spinning in circles and making horrific ghostly noises. Get out of here, Frank shouted at the ghost. From Camu Dimension Evil Whatever to go back. This wasn't some actor on TV pretending to be a ghost 
or some kind of computer-generated graphic. This was a real ghost. Leave us alone, Trix yelled. Oi, matey, we's just kids, Darby shouted. We're not stealing anything, we're just here to toss a few rotten cackleberries. Be quiet, Darby, Trix hissed. Don't tell him that. There was nothing they could do, nowhere to run. They were trapped inside a spooky house with a glowing green ghost. Frank couldn't help himself. Um, Mr. Ghost, sir, you are brains our eat to going not your... What did you say? screeched the ghost. Its voice dis was distorted and awful. Sonny, I didn't understand a word you said. Don't yell at him, Trix snapped. He has reverse speech syndrome, you dumb ghost. Trix couldn't believe she'd just insulted an apparition. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to make fun of your strange talking disorder. I used to stutter myself back when I was just a youngin like you. I mean, back when I was just a young ghost. An uncomfortable silence filled the dark living room. Sorry, Mr. Ghost, Preston said. My friend just wants to know if you're going to eat our brains. Lately, he's had this weird fascination with brain-munching zombies. It's because he snuck downstairs one night after his mom and dad went to sleep so he could watch a super scary movie. He's all traumatized now. No, I'm not going to eat your brains, nitwit. I'm a ghost, not a zombie. The ghost started flying around the room in circles again, going, Ooh, ah, booga, booga, booga. All of a sudden, thunk. Trix was pretty sure that the ghost crashed into the coffee table. It sounded like it hurt. The ghost said something that sounded very much like ow. Did you just say ow? Trix asked the ghost. No, I did not say ow, the ghost roared. I said, uh, now, as in now I've got you. The ghost started doing his ooga booga thing all over again. It wasn't nearly as scary the second time around. When the bright green ghost was finished, he yelled at them to sit down. On your keisters, all of you, the ghost demanded. They all did as they were told. Trix was lucky because she was able to feel her way to the nice comfy sofa she'd been standing close to when the lights went out. The others had to sit on the floor, except for Darby, who found a chair to sit in. But he accidentally broke his vacuum costume in half when he tried to sit down. Darby, you nong, he yelled at himself. You just busted up your costume, mate. All that hard work for nothing. Pipe down, shrieked the ghost. That means be quiet for those of you unfamiliar with the term. Everyone piped down. Then the ghost informed them that he was going to tell them all a story. A ghost story. Souls for Sale You kids sure picked the wrong night to enter this house, the ghost said. Or should I say, the house of the recently departed Mr. Boggarty. The ghost's voice was low and hideous, kind of like how Darth Vader would sound if he had a terrible sore throat. The voice was not human. Recently departed? Preston asked somewhere in the dark room. What does that mean? I mean I robbed his life force, Dunderhead. I entered this humble abode just a few minutes before you five brats got here. I caught that old buzzard while he was having a cat nap, came right in and plundered his crusty old spirit. You mean you took his soul? Trix asked with a shaky voice. She felt very attached to her soul. She couldn't imagine anyone stealing it. That's exactly what I did. I took his very soul. What do you think of that, Missy? While he was sleeping, Trix snapped, practically biting the ghost's head off. You betcha. Trix let the ghost have it. Listen here, you ugly ghost. You can't just go around breaking into people's houses and stealing their souls. That's rude. 
Sure I can. I'm a ghost. I can do whatever I darn well please, Trixie Cole. Trixie sucked in a huge gulp of air at the sound of her name. The ghost knew her full name. This was not good. Ah, said the ghost, floating slowly around the living room. I've got your full attention now, don't I, young lady? Trix said nothing. She was too scared to talk. Here we are on Halloween night, the spookiest night of the year. A time for treats, a time for tricks, a time for pranks. Like maybe breaking into someone's house and tossing a few rotten eggs. Now they were all good and scared. Every one of them wondered how in the world the ghost knew all this stuff. Someone whimpered in the darkness. Oh, stop trying to scare us, Trix said, trying to sound brave, even though she didn't feel brave right now. These guys might be scared of you, but I'm not, so there. She stuck her tongue out at the ghost. The ghost laughed its horrible laugh. Ha ha ha. I promise you, Dorothy, that by the end of this night, you will be more scared than you've ever been in your entire life. Trixie kept quiet. You should all be scared because I'm the one who put the for sale sign on all of your souls. Say what, mate? Darby said. Me soul's not for sale. Well, that's too bad, the ghost said, because I put them up for grabs on the black market. They should sell pretty quick, I imagine. Kid souls are big business these days. Your little souls are bound to get more than fair market value. The five demons will purchase your pint-sized souls in a heartbeat. The five demons? Trix asked nervously. Who are they? And for that matter, who are you? Who am I? Who am I? roared the ghost. I'll tell you who I am, Missy. I just happen to be. Everyone had to wait silently in the dark. I am. Hold on a sec. After another pause, followed by a clicking sound, scary Halloween music began to play. It began slowly, but soon filled the living room with the sounds of a spooky symphony. I am the lime green ghost of Lincoln County. Dust for breakfast. After the ghost's dramatic introduction, someone hit the floor with a thud. It was Preston. He fainted. The scary music stopped. Then the lime green ghost of Lincoln County flew across the room. There was shuffling and movement, and then the sound of splashing water. The next thing everyone heard was Preston saying, Yes, Miss Shields, could you repeat the question, please? Preston didn't know where he was. He thought he'd fallen asleep during class again. All better now? the ghost asked. Gave me a bit of a fright, young fella. Ha! Imagine a tough little spud like you fainting at the mere sight of a ghost. Sorry, Mr. Ghost, sir, Preston said. Sometimes I get overwhelmed. It's a medical condition I have. Doctors don't know what it is. Yeah, it's called chicken guts, Trix mumbled under her breath, but still loud enough for everyone to hear. But still, Trix knew it was bad news when Preston, the second toughest kid in their group, was so scared that he fainted. Is that right? said the ghost. Well, show some courage next time, will ya? Jeesh. Kids nowadays are nothing but a bunch of cowards. Except for the young miss, I suppose. Seems like she's got a backbone. That's not true, Frank suddenly shouted. Either coward or not I'm correcting himself, he said. I mean, I'm not a coward either. All right, all right, the ghost said irritably. So you're not a coward either. Drop it already. By the way, remind me later before the five demons get here. I mean, my sister is a speech therapist. She can probably help with that weird sentence reversal thing of yours. Ghosts being nice? Trix didn't know what to think. None of them did. 
Okay, let's get this show on the road, shall we? said the ghost. I haven't got all night. Believe it or not, us ghosts have a life, too. Get what show on the road, Mr. Ghost, sir? Preston asked, still unsure about how to properly address the ghost. I'll gladly tell you, Mr. Preston Phillips, but only if you can control that flapping tongue of yours and stop interrupting me. Sorry. You just did it again! Sorry. The lime green ghost let out a huge sigh. <sighs> when the room was quiet enough to his liking, the ghost began to speak. Are they still teaching you kids about American history in school? Do any of you knuckleheads know what the Great Depression was? Darren raised his arm in the dark, just like he would in class. He felt kind of dumb, because it was too dark for anyone to see him waving his hand in the air. But the ghost saw. Yes, Mr. Clutterbomb. The hairs on the back of Darren's neck stood up. Not only did the ghost know his full name, too, but he also pronounced it correctly. Darren always got mad when people mispronounced his last name. It's Clutterbomb, he tells people, not Clutterbum. I know what the Great Depression was, Mr. Ghost, Darren said, accidentally letting out a high-pitched squawk at the end. His voice was changing, so sometimes he sounded like the air being slowly released from a balloon. Well, what is it, Squeaky? It happened a long time ago, Darren explained. Back when the stock market crashed, the ghost said, Swish! Two points for Clutterbomb. Trix thought how weird it was hearing a ghost say a word like swish as if he knew about basketball. Oh, oh! Preston was waving his hand in the air just like Darren did a moment ago. Yes, Mr. Preston Willoughby, feeling better now? And will you please stop waving your hand around like a lunatic? I can see you just fine. I know all about the Great Depression, Preston said. We learned about it in school last year. It happened back in the 1930s. It's when the whole country got poor and everybody had to eat bowls of dust. No, you nincompoop, wailed the ghost. People didn't eat the dust. Great gusts of wind swept through the Midwest and people lived in the dust bowl. It's a figure of speech, Noodlehead. Oh, our teacher must have taught us wrong then. Trix was pretty sure the ghost was shaking its glowing green head at Preston. She heard the ghost mumbling under its breath. Bunch of Noodleheads, said the ghost. Too much TV, not enough books. The Old Days The lime green ghost talked up a storm. Sometimes his train of thought wandered off a bit, but mostly he stayed on track. At one point, Frank started in with the whole brain-eating thing again. Mr. Ghost, sir, are you sure you're not going to eat our brains? Oh, brother, will you knock it off, said the ghost. For the last time, no, I am not going to eat your brains, but if you keep asking me about it, then maybe I will come over there and take a nibble out of that wet noodle you call a brain. Frank sobbed pitifully in the dark. Simmer down, mate, Darby said, trying to calm his friend down. He ain't going to eat your brains, bud. Ghosts eat, um, they eat Vegemite. Yes, that's what we eat. Ghosts eat veg uh, something. Mite, mate, Vegemite. Whatever, wailed the ghost. He was just thankful for the help in trying to get Frank to stop whining. Everything will be fine, matey, Darby said. Quietly, he added, I hope. Darby is usually pretty calm during crazy situations. He doesn't believe in ghosts or werewolves or vampires. He just believes in something called Bunyip, which is a monster that lives in the backwoods of Australia. So you're the one called Darby. Sure, mate. I mean, ghost mate. From New Zealand, right? No, mate. Oz, you know, Aussie? Uh, Australia, mate. Oh, okay. Gotcha, mate. 
Where was I? We need to get back to business here. No more fooling around. Now seriously, what was I talking about before? Well, before you started insulting my friends, Trix said, you were telling us about the Great Depression. Ah, yes, the ghost said, clearing his throat. <clears throat> back in those days, kids didn't go door-to-door collecting candy on Halloween night. Believe it or not, there was such a time when there was no such thing as the internet or playing video games on a hundred-inch TV. Back then, it was a twenty-minute walk to the nearest neighbor, but all in all, things were just hunky-dory for a while. Then the Great Depression came along and knocked half the country on their backsides. It was a terrible time in this country's history, and it's here that my story and your demise begins. The ghost was quiet for a moment. Trixie could have sworn she heard distinct sipping sounds, like someone carefully sipping a hot drink. Then really quietly the ghost mumbled, Ooh, hot. Trix thought this whole situation was too weird, but there was no choice but to go along with it. They were at the mercy of the lime green ghost. The Five Demons of Lincoln County Okie dokie, said the ghost, ready to proceed with his story. In a small Midwest town that no longer exists... Is that because it's a ghost town? Darren asked, not even trying to be a smart aleck. He was dead serious. No, you nitwit, snapped the ghost. It wasn't a ghost town. It was a real town with real people living in it. Now hush up and let me tell this blasted story, will ya? Now what was I explaining about? You was talking about something called the Mead West, mate. Is that like the Outback? Me gran lives way out back, just outside of Geraldton. She's a shark chaser and a bloomin' good one. This one time she was out surfing, right, and she came face to face with a thirteen-footer. Bit of surfboard clean in half. She fed one of the pieces to him and the bloody shark choked on it. And this other time, me mum and I were out hunting for a wallaby. Be quiet, vacuum boy, snarled the ghost. The Midwest isn't anything like the Outback. Well, maybe it is a little bit. My point is that the Midwest was caught up in the Great Depression just as bad as anybody. And there used to be a small town right smack dab in the middle of Kansas. Hey, Kansas, like where Trix is from, Darren said. Where her costume character is from, I mean. Good, Darren, Trix said, annoyed. Real smart. Yes, brilliant observation, Mr. Clutterbomb, the ghost said. I can see that at least someone in the room is half awake. The ghost cleared its throat again. <clears throat> now, there were only a few families in that podunk little town of ours. My family was one of them. Used to be one of them, I should say. But they're all in a bad place now. All the families? Trix asked, or just your family? Everyone, Miss Cole. History, sayonara, arrivederci, the ghost yelled so loud that he began to cough. <coughs> anyway, my ghost mom and ghost dad are both long gone, the ghost went on. So are those other poor families, every last one of them gone. The ghost got right up close to Trix, so close, in fact, that she could smell its breath. The ghost's breath raked of peppermint tea. Ah, continued the ghost. But tonight you will all get a chance to meet my siblings. They're all still alive, so to speak. There'll be five of them in total, my four ghost brothers and my ghost sister. In fact, they'll be here at precisely six o'clock to pick you up. Pick us up? Trix tried not to sound too concerned, though we she, she was extremely worried. You mean as in come and get us? Yep. Where are we going, ghost mate? Darby said. On a walkabout. I can't go too far, Darren said. I have to be home by nine o'clock or else I'll be grounded. Yeah, me too. Same here, mate. We've all got a curfew. The room was suddenly filled with voices complaining about what would happen if their curfews were broken. Be quiet, 
interrupted the ghost, stifling everyone's whining and complaining. Where you're all going, you won't have to worry about your nine o'clock curfew, or anything else for that matter, because you're never going to see your parents ever again. Your new parents will be called... Go on, mate, Dobby said. Tell us. The ghost got up real close and said, The four demons of Lincoln County. More bad news. The words hung in the air as the ghost laughed and laughed. Then his moment was ruined by simple math. Trix pointed out the obvious, Mr. Ghost, don't you mean the five demons of Lincoln County? I thought you said you had four older brothers and one younger sister. That makes five, not four. Correct, young lady, the ghost said, zooming in close and patting Trix on the head. It's good to know that at least one of you is paying attention. I must have forgotten that my sister got turned into a demon, too. Trix was shaking her head. You still haven't told us where you're sending us, Mr. Ghost. The thought of never seeing her parents again, or her bedroom, or Sam, their golden retriever, was so horrible that she didn't want to think about it. Well, if you'll be quiet for a second, then I'll tell you. Jeesh! Can't an old spook catch his breath? It wasn't easy for the daughter of a hockey player dad, who yells and swears and fights on live TV, to sit and be quiet. But for now, Trix kept silent. She sat there quietly, biting her fingernails in the darkness. As I was saying, the ghost went on, I once had a loving mom and dad, and before you ask any more silly questions, yes, I myself was once a living human being, just like you. This was before the big stock market crash of 1929. After that, those demons from New York City rolled into town and took my brothers and sister away. What's with all these demons you keep talking about, ghost mate? Darby asked. They don't sound like good oil to me. I'm glad you asked, my little blunder from down under, said the ghost. I want you all to understand that this night, Halloween night, will be the last night of your innocent little lives. Your happy days of childhood are over. Whimpers and groans erupted in the dark room. Gone are the days of sleeping in your nice cozy beds. Gone are the days of being tucked in by mom and dad. No more bedtime snacks. No more warm milk to help you sleep. Ew, warm milk is nasty, somebody whispered. No more cutesy-wootsy bedtime stories. No more favorite blankets with cartoon characters to keep you safe. A terrible life awaits you all. You boys are going to become the four boys and one girl, Trixie said, getting miffed at the ghost's mistake. Oh, right. Sorry about that, the ghost said, actually apologizing to her. That's why you four boys and one young lady have been chosen to become. There was a long, silent pause. Then more spooky Halloween music began to play. Trix recognized the song immediately. She was pretty sure it was from the same cheesy Halloween CD that her dad bought. The CD was called Halloween Spooky Jukebox or something silly like that. The lime green ghost said, You five little beasties will take over for my brothers and sister. You will grow up to be, the music turned up, the five new and improved demons of Lincoln County. Evil Bankers and Slimy Car Salesmen this was terrifying news, considering that everyone in the room resided in Lincoln County. "'Mr. Ghost, sir?' Frank asked. "'Young man,' said the ghost in an irritated voice. "'If you ask me one more time if I'm going to eat your brains, I swear—' "'No, Mr. Ghost,' Frank said. "'Twizzlers, some, and Snickers, many, of couple A and apple candy, a godive. "'Here get County Lincoln of Demons Five, the before candy are eat, to allowed we're if wondering just was I?' Frank wants to know if he can eat his candy, Trix said. 
Sounds like a good idea to me. I'm hungry, too. Technically, Mr. Bogarty's house wasn't the first house they'd stopped at. It was the twelfth. Kids know long beforehand which houses hand out the good stuff. Things like candy apples and full-sized candy bars go quickly, so those houses get hit up first. Each of them already had a small stash of goodies in their candy bag. Fine, go ahead, said the ghost with a sigh. <sighs> you know something? When we were kids and went out trick-or-treating, we got nothing. More than a few walnuts or an apple or an I.O.U. But ghosts don't eat candy, Darren said. Everybody knows that. Is that right? said the ghost. I'll have you know, Mr. Smarty Pants, that sometimes even ghosts enjoy a good piece of hard candy or some fresh licorice. And some of us ghosts sure do enjoy that bubble tape. What a hoot. Ghosts don't chew gum, Trix said, taking the wax paper off her candy apple and taking a huge bite in the dark. How can they? Ghosts haven't got any teeth. Of course we do, cried the ghost. Ghosts all over the world chew bubble gum. We can blow bubbles just as good as any living person. Sure, ghost mate, Darby said. Whatever you say. Right, um, where was I? You were talking about disappearing kids, Darby reminded him. Us, I mean. Ah, yes, that's right. I was explaining how you five brats are going to be taken away this very night. But don't worry, because you will all come back in a few years, and you know why you'll come back? Why? I'm glad you asked, Pudding Brain, the ghost said to Preston. You will all come back to take over the world. The ghost floated around the room, cackling and laughing, doing his ooga-booga thing once more. Take over the world? Trix asked. Why would we want to do that? That doesn't sound like us at all. What about other planets? Preston asked. Are we going to take those over too, like Mars and Pluto? What about Oz, mate? Darby asked. You can't take over Australia, you just can't. The ghost ignored all their silly questions. The whole world? Darren asked. Like Africa and Canada and Mesopotamia? What? Mesopotamia doesn't exist anymore, yelled the ghost. Didn't they teach you kids anything in school? And to answer your question, yes, I mean the entire world, you gaggle of hooligans will come back as... Monsters? Nope. Mutants? Nope. Evil space monkeys? No, 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 you're all going to come back as something much, much worse. What's worse than evil space monkeys? Frank asked. I mean, seriously, they're evil and they scratch their butts and pick bugs out of their hair and eat them. I've seen them do it at the zoo. I'll tell you what's worse, the ghost said. You will all come back as ruthless, evil, diabolical double-crossers. What are those, mate? Darby asked. They're people who prey on poor farming communities and naive, trusting old people who live on a fixed income. Demons, I tell you. The kids were memorized. Also a bit confused. You better believe it, roared the ghost, getting up close and personal. And you won't be like those demons you see in the movies. You won't have red skin or horns or a pitchfork. You'll look human on the outside, but you'll be full of hate and greed on the inside. You'll grow up to be slimy car salesmen, greedy lawyers, and worst of all, evil bankers. School for Bad Kids Darren had to ruin it for the ghost. Are you talking about people who work at a bank? You mean those kinds of bankers? Yes, goofball, shouted the ghost. People who work at the bank are called bankers. Oh, I know that, Mr. Ghost, Darren said. I was just wondering because my mom's a banker. Actually, she's a loan officer. She gets mad sometimes because people keep stealing her pens, and one customer stole her favorite paperweight when she went to make copies. 
Well, I'm here to tell you, sonny boy, that some of those shysters out there will take you for every penny you've got. In fact, some of those dirty, rotten sneaks have the ability to destroy small towns. Those locusts will swoop right in and suck the place dry. Then they'll move on to the next town and the next. And that's what lies ahead for all of you delinquents. You'll cause one catastrophe here after another. Everyone began to beg and plead with the ghost, saying that they couldn't be taken away because all of the stuff they wanted to do when they grew up. Not me. I'm not going to be some greedy lawyer or slimy car saleswoman, Trix said. I'm going to be rich and happy and travel the world. Me either, mate, Darby said. Footy's me life. Course you blokes here in America call it soccer. I'm going to make the pros someday, mate. I can't be taken away somewhere else. I'm going to be an astronaut, Preston said. There's an astronaut school in Florida. My mom said I could go if I put my mind to it. I'm going to be a famous chef, Frank said. People famous and rich for meals, fancy cook, and hat white puffy aware, and someday restaurant own my up open to going I'm. What about my dreams of becoming an inventor? Darren asked, sounding the saddest of all. He was always talking about becoming an inventor someday, even though Trix continually bugged him about the fact that he'd never actually invented anything. Forget it. Those ridiculous dreams are ancient history, and it's all because of your poor decisions in life, such as egging the house of a defenseless octogenarian like poor old Mr. Bogarty. Those dreams of yours are now gone, gone, gone. Your futures will be dark and gray and inconceivably horrible. Soon you'll all be brainwashed into non-thinking robots, demon robots. Tomorrow morning, each of you will be enrolled in a brand new school, an awful school for awful children, and then... What will our new school be called? Darren interrupted. Is it in the same school district? He wasn't being rude on purpose. He was genuinely curious. Fortunately, the ghost didn't get mad at the interruption. It's called, um... The ghost taps its forehead, thinking. It's called... Oh, wait. I just remembered. It's called the Elementary School of Evil. After that, you'll go to the Middle School of Malice. Once done there, you'll move on to the High School of Horror. Then it's off to the College of Corruption, and finally, the Graduate School of Greed. The ghost laughed his maniacal laughter. Then he said, uh-oh. Ooh, ah, uh, ooh, ah, uh, ooh, uh. The CD began skipping. A Terrible Fate the ghost quickly zoomed over to the table and turned off the CD player before it got too annoying. Yes, sirree, said the ghost, acting like nothing was wrong. Yesterday was the last day of your wonderful school, and now... Wait a second. Today is Saturday, right? Trix reassured him that it was Saturday. Right. So yesterday was the last day at your nice school with your nice teachers and your nice playground. Trix attempted to explain to the ghost that not all teachers at their school were nice and that the playground wasn't big enough. Hogwash. You spoiled brats don't know how good you've got it. In just a few more minutes, you five smart Alex will find out what it really means to suffer. You'll be forced to live in an awful dungeon dormitory filled with all sorts of creepy crawlies. Spiders? You betcha. Snakes? Darn tootin'. Scorpions? Of course. Uru kanji? Darby asked. Uh, say what? Jellyfish, mate. They sting you so bad you can't move a muscle. Yeah, sure, kid. They'll have... Urukaju, Urikku, oh, forget it, whatever he said. The ghost was doing an excellent job of scaring everyone. No one liked the description of their new school. These places sounded awful. They all sounded worse than anything they could imagine, worse than a trip to the dentist. By the time you all get your diploma from the graduate school of greed, you'll be vultures, carcass chompers. You will love money more than life itself. Then one day you'll come back for the sole purpose of destroying the place you loved. Huh? 
Preston and Darren both said at exactly the same time. How come, Mr. Ghost, sir? Frank said. I mean, wait a sec. Hey, I said that right. He was so nervous and scared that he was actually talking forwards instead of backwards. How come, you asked, said the ghost. Because I said so. But I like it here, Frank said. Why would we want to destroy it? Yeah, ghost, mate. I like it here, too, Darby said. It rains a lot. Plus, it's got a big chunk of wind blowing all the time. But America's still a good place to hunker down. Mum took me to Seattle last summer. We went up on the Space Needle. What a ripper. The lime green ghost of Lincoln County floated around the room, laughing and mocking them. Why would we wreck the place where we live? Trix asked. That doesn't even make sense. We all like living here. Because you'll be brainwashed, roared the ghost, zooming around the room. You will use your evil talents to bring down this great state of ours. You'll wear expensive suits, drink $5 lattes, and drive expensive foreign cars. You will do all this and probably still be too young to shave. You'll have those cheesy soul patches instead of a nice manly mustache. All of us get a mustache? Darren asked. Secretly, he'd always wanted a mustache. No, not all of you, the ghost yelled. The girl obviously won't have a mustache bonehead. The ghost zoomed around the room towards Trix. Aha! but she will be the worst of them all. Young Miss Trixie Cole here is destined to become an evil banker. Oh no, I won't, Trix said with all the courage she had left. Not in a million years. Oh yes, you will. Will not. Yes, you will, the ghost got right in Trix's face. After those evil teachers train you up a bit, you'll possess the ability to drive poor people to their knees. Soon you will learn how to swindle low-income families out of what little money they have. You'll bamboozle them with your bank talk mumbo-jumbo. But I don't want to hurt people, she said. I like people, most of the time. Tough cookies, yelled the ghost. Better get used to the idea. Soon you will enjoy hurting people. You'll love it more than anything else in the world, more than vanilla ice cream with chocolate syrup and rainbow sprinkles. You'll take pride in ruining people's lives with your legal jargon and your bank fees and all those incredibly high interest rates. You'll make those families so poor that they'll beg for mercy, and you won't help them, not even when they beg and cry. You'll become so corrupt, so vile, so despicable, that you'd rather put those people out on the street than give them an extension on their loan. You'll take advantage of everyone. People you know, people you grew up with. Families and friends, and those you used to love. Oh, sure, you'll take them out for a drive in your fancy car, and then drop them off at the poorhouse. That includes your own family. What do you think about that, Trixie Cole? Trixie was speechless. The ghost had them right where he wanted. The five of them felt like they'd been trapped inside Mr. Bogarty's house, dearly departed in Mr. Bogarty's house for an eternity, but really it had only been about twenty minutes. Trix wished to be outside with the other kids, running around, collecting candy, and having a wonderful time. Instead, she was miserable and heartsick that she was going to grow up to do all those awful things. A huge crackle of thunder exploded outside. There must have been lightning, too, but none of them got to see it because the room was too dark. The only thing visible was the fluorescent green ghost. Rain pelted against Mr. Bogarty's windows. The sound grew steadily louder. Soon the windows were being hammered by a full-blown rainstorm. Trix imagined all the kids and parents outside running for cover. All she could think about was what was going to happen when the five demons of Lincoln County came to take them away and then ship them off to some awful boarding school with evil teachers. She felt like crying. Goodbye, sweet childhood. Their last few minutes of freedom were ticking away. You still didn't explain what happened to you, Mr. Ghost. How come you didn't get turned into a slimy car salesman or evil lawyer? Trix said. I thought you'd never ask, said the ghost. 
You see, I wasn't always like this. I haven't always been trapped inside this ghostly body. I was once a spry young man with a clever mind and energy to burn. I felt invincible. Oh, oh, Preston butted Kind of like Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Yu-Gi is this high school kid who has the power of invincibility. No, you dimwit. I'm a real ghost, the ghost yelled. Not some made-up cartoon character. Oh. How do you know about Yu-Gi-Oh? Trix asked. Ghosts don't watch TV. Quiet, girly, shouted the ghost. Who says ghosts can't watch cartoons? We need a little downtime, too, you know. The room was quiet, but not for long. Anyway, the ghost said, getting back to business. Last month was the anniversary of that terrible day back in 1929, the Great Depression for those of you who've forgotten already. I was just a tiny thing when my brothers and kid sister were taken away, off to live with some demon relatives. They left as sweet, innocent children who grew up to be hideous, conniving, thieving adults. You see, our parents lost everything during the Great Depression. That's why my brothers and kid sister were sent off to the big city, because dear old mom and dad couldn't afford to feed us anymore. Those monsters promised our parents that they'd turn all my siblings into a huge success. Money, fame, fortune, the works. But I didn't go with them. I may have been just a pup, a tiny pipsqueak, but I still saw right through their big city hoopla. With x-ray glasses? Preston asked. Could you see right through down to their evil bones? Hush up, will ya? Look, here's the deal. I refused to go with those demons, so they cursed me. I see, Darby said. So that's how come you're so nasty looking. Yes, Mr. Thomas, said the ghost quite nicely, considering that Darby had just insulted him. They turned me into a ghost. Nobody ever did figure out what happened to me. They probably thought I just ran away. Then what happened, Ghostmite? Well, off went my brothers and sister with those city slickers. I stayed behind, left to wander the earth alone, haunting what few people were still left in that tiny farming community. I got bored with that pretty quickly, so that's why I moved out here to the suburbs, so I could find work as a ghost. This made good enough sense. Trix and her friends just sat there in the dark, watching the ghost float around the room as he told his story. I'm here to warn you kids to let you know that you're better off becoming slimy car salesmen, greedy lawyers, and evil bankers. It'll be better if you go with them, trust me. Who in this room wants to spend eternity as a bitter old ghost haunting houses all day and night and giving history lessons to a bunch of know-it-all kids? No way! Not me. No, mate. Doesn't sound like fun to me. Well, hooligans, said the ghost. That pretty much sums up the whole story. I refused to go to the big city with those evildoers. That's why I've been a ghost ever since, doomed to a life of haunting spooky old houses of reclusive millionaires. The room was silent for a while as the ghost allowed this thought to sink into their heads. A few more ticks of the clock and their childhood would be over. Then the ghost kicked it up a notch. And now, my little heathens, it's about time I hand you over to the five demons of Lincoln County. Your journey is about to begin. A journey to the most horrible place in the world. Worse than a swamp with alligators. Worse than a stinky chicken coop with ten thousand chickens. Worse than washing grandma's feet. Worse than anything you could imagine. No! Preston screamed. I hate feet! You'd better get used to the idea, Mr. Willoughby. There'll be tons of feet for you to scrub where you're going. The ghost was doing a terrific job of getting everyone worked up. He was a master of terror. Make him stop! Preston shouted. Make him stop! No way are they taking me, mate, Darby said. I'll clobber em. I'll tear their bloomin' thumbs off. That way they won't be able to grab hold of me. The lime-green ghost of Lincoln County zoomed around the room, cackling as he went. He was the only one in the room who was having a good time. Everyone else was petrified with fear. In the dark, Trix found a couch cushion to hold on to. She hugged it tight. 
I won't go, I won't go, Trix kept saying. I won't, I won't go, I won't. The ghost had gotten the best of her, and everyone else too. Rain came down harder and harder, pelting the roof and windows and making a terrible noise. Their time was up. Knock, knock, who's there? You can't do this to us, you mean old ghost, Trix shouted. It's not fair. Well, I've got some news for you, Missy, said the ghost. Life isn't fair. The ghost howled and cackled, spinning around and doing 360s in the middle of the living room. I don't want to go, Preston shouted into the darkness. I don't want to get turned into a demon. I promise I'll never egg anyone's house ever again. Apologies started filling the room. Preston started it, and now it was a full-blown living room confessional. Everyone started apologizing for anything and everything they could think of, all the bad stuff they'd done or said or even thought about doing, and especially about Mr. Bogarty, the poor old man whose soul had been gobbled up while he was snoozing. Trix got mad, really mad, like when her dad's team made it to the playoffs last year and then lost in the first round. "'I'll get you for this, you flying bogey!' Trix shouted. "'If you ship us off to that awful school, then I swear on my life that I'll come back and make your life miserable!' "'Too late!' the ghost shouted. "'My life is already miserable. I'm a ghost. How much more miserable can life possibly get?' Rain beat down so loud that it seemed as if the whole house was shaking. The cheesy Halloween music started up again, and then... Gong, 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 gong. The clock struck six. There came a knock on the door. Then a booming voice called out, Open up in there! It was one of the five demons come to take them away. We know you're in there! Open up! Screams filled the living room. The five demons of Lincoln County were on Mr. Bogarty's front porch. They were banging on the door and demanding to be let in. Let us in! The lime green ghost wasn't helping matters much. He was floating around the room, howling and screaming along with everyone else. I told you so, the ghost shouted. Didn't I tell you they'd be here at six o'clock? The five demons are here for your souls! Trix jumped off the couch and immediately ran into someone. Darren? Darby? Frank? She had no idea. She tossed whoever it was aside and fought her way around in the darkness, searching for a way out. There was no escape. They were done for. They're here, Preston screamed. They're really here. The ghost didn't lie. He was telling the truth. Of course I was telling the truth, yelled the ghost. I told you they'd be here at six o'clock on the dot. You kids never listen. I thought maybe your clock was wrong, Preston shouted back. You know, like daylight savings time. I was going to jump out the window and run away. Preston, you chicken! Trix yelled at him. You were just going to leave us here to be taken away? That was sort of my plan, Preston admitted. The doorbell rang repeatedly. I said open up in there, you old fogey. It's raining cats and dogs out here. The five demons of Lincoln County did not sound happy. They were getting angrier by the minute. They were probably upset because the rain was getting their horns all wet. They smashed on the door and even knocked on the window. The doorbell rang over and over. The demons were trying to get in any way they could. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding. Open up, Boggarty, cried one of the demons, probably one of the evil car salesmen. We know you're in there at six o'clock, old man. Don't make us late again like last year. I want to get there good and early to get some of that apple cider. Yeah, Harry, hollered another demon. By the time we got there last year, all the kids gobbled up all of Mrs. Silver's famous Halloween cupcakes. I don't intend to miss out two years in a row. Please, Mr. Ghost, Frank begged. Hide to place uh, us fine, please. You can't us help, you won't. Come on, mate. This ain't fair, Dinkum. Give us a place to hide, you crusty old ghost. 
Sorry, all out of hiding places. Make them go away, make them go away, Trix cried. Please, Mr. Ghost, sir, can't you just tell them we're too young to be slimy car salesmen and evil bankers, please? Everyone was wussing out, including Trix. Wish I had me boomerang, mate, Darby hollered. I'd take their bloomin' heads off. Be quiet, Darby, Darren yelled. You can't kill a demon with a boomerang. Creak. The front door squeaked open. It was still too dark to see their true forms, but the demons were inside the house. Hello, said one of the demons, a female. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Outside was only shadows and darkness. Even so, Trix and her friends could tell how many of them there were. Exactly five demons, one for each of them. We're done for, mates. Nice knowing you. See you in the afterlife. Then one of the demons flipped on the lights. Gotcha. Standing just inside the door of Mr. Bogarty's house were four elderly gentlemen and a lady with bright white hair. The white-haired lady was dressed as a fairy godmother, and the four old men were dressed as Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, and Captain America. They looked like a bunch of retired superheroes who'd escaped from a retirement home. Trix and her friends stared at the group of dressed-up old people, who stared right back, equally confused. Then everyone turned to stare at the only other person in the room, the lime-green ghost of Lincoln County. The lady with the dazzling white hair addressed the shape underneath the bedsheet, but she didn't call him Mr. Ghost like everyone else had. She called him Harold. Harold, said the white-haired lady in a stern voice, exactly what are you doing underneath that bedsheet, and why are there five frightened children in your living room? And why are there five cartons of rotten eggs on the floor next to my feet? The lime-green ghost lifted up his bedsheet. Underneath was Mr. Bogarty. Mr. Bogarty? Frank asked. You really that is? I mean, is that really you? Bogarty, mate, Darby said, sounding relieved. It's you. We thought you were eaten up like a wooraraga. Mr. Bogarty? Trix said, also confused. You're alive? You mean you didn't get your soul gobbled up by a ghost? Underneath the sheet was Mr. Bogarty, all right. He was absolutely covered in neon green glow sticks. Bright green glow-in-the-dark sticks were taped to his shirt, pants, shoes, and sticking out of his pockets. A dozen more were glued to his bald head. A necklace of glow sticks hung around his neck. More were stuck to his back, his front, each side, everywhere. He even had a few dangling from his ears. Mr. Bogarty smiled. His smile grew whiter and whiter, and then the room was suddenly filled with hilarious laughter. Mr. Bogarty laughed so hard that tears began to spill down his wrinkly cheeks. Harold, said the white-haired lady. She looked like she was about to lose her temper. I asked you why there are five frightened children in your living room, and why are you wearing all those glow sticks? Hot dang, I'm hot tonight. Mr. Bogarty said he slapped his knee and started laughing again. His crazy, maniacal laughter returned to a normal human-sounding laugh just as soon as he peeled off the electronic gadgets that were stuck to his face, a voice synthesizer. The other gadget he wore was a pair of night-vision goggles, which he used to see in the dark. "'Good on you, mate,' Darby said. "'You scared the dickens out of us.' "'But how did you move around so fast?' Preston asked. "'It looked like you were really flying around the room like a real ghost.' As soon as Mr. Bogarty took two steps, they got their answer. Parked in the corner of the room was a Segway. Mr. Bogarty owned one of those awesome scooters they'd all seen on TV. That's how he was able to make it look like he was floating around the room. 
Apparently, Mr. Boggarty was not only a clever old man, but also a rich old man. Hoo-wee, Mr. Boggarty hollered. You kids should have seen your faces when my brothers and kid sister opened that door. Priceless, I tell ya. Worth every penny I spent on all this stuff. While Mr. Boggarty pulled all the glow sticks off his clothes and face and everywhere else, the white-haired lady with the wand and sparkling shoes explained who she was and who all the elderly gentlemen standing behind her were. I'm Karen Boggarty Carlson, the lady said. I'm a retired speech therapist, an older sister of this little deviant. We drove all the way from the city to pick him up since he won't drive anywhere. Nope, I hate driving, Mr. Boggarty said. All that traffic drives me buggy. Get it? Drives me buggy? I get it, mate, Darby said. I think. Mrs. Boggarty Carlson gave her brother a good smack with her purse. Then she fussed over the kids, checking them over and making sure they were all okay. The demon lady turned out to be very nice. Jeez, lady, Darby said. We all thought you blokes were here, were here to take us away. That's what this old bludger's been yabbering about all night. Oh, don't mind Harold, Karen explained. He's been ornery ever since we were little kids. She gave her brother the same looks that Trix gets from her mom whenever she did something bad. Mr. Boggarty was still chuckling. Oh, come off it, sis. It was just a harmless prank. Harold Sherman Boggarty. Sometimes I'm ashamed to be your sister, said Mrs. Boggarty Carlson. Then she let her mischievous older brother have it. Honestly, Harold, scaring the wits out of these poor kids, what gets into you? I swear, the older you get, the more obnoxious you become. Oh, hogwash, sis, said Boggarty, gently peeling glow sticks off his bald head. I was just having a bit of fun. Besides, I've known for a week they were planning to egg my house. You did? Trix asked. Mr. Boggarty's eyes sparkled. How did I know, you wonder? Mr. Boggarty gave her a wink. Hmm, let's see. He reached behind the desk, the one with a CD player on it, and pulled out another gadget. This one looked like a small satellite TV dish with a long cord attached to a set of black headphones. Bionic long-range microphone, said Mr. Boggarty, showing them off. Bought these babies at the mall last week, Mr. Boggarty proudly patted his set of bionic ears. I was out in the backyard a few days ago testing them out, Mr. Boggarty told them. That's when I heard you kids walking down the back alley. I overheard your plans to egg my house, which got my brain a buzzin' on how to handle such a situation. Jeez, I'll bet those cost some big bickies, eh? Darby said, checking out the bionic ears. You can probably hear beyond the black stump with those. Trix had to admit that Mr. Boggarty's prank was better than their idea. Not bad, Trix said, truly impressed. Not a bad prank for an old guy. Ha, Preston said. We knew it was you all along, Mr. Boggarty. At least I did. Mrs. Boggarty Carlson went into the kitchen to make hot chocolate for everyone, continuously apologizing for her brother's behavior. Kids, I really do apologize for my brother's odd behavior, Mrs. Boggarty Carlson said. He believes that just because he's a millionaire, it entitles him to act like a fool. And to think how our parents left all those valuable stock shares to the youngest child, who never seems to grow up. Mr. Boggarty invited everyone to sit down while he explained a few things, like why he was never home during Halloween to hand out treats. Trix and her friends had it all wrong. The truth. For the last 15 years, Mr. Boggarty hadn't been turning off his porch light and pretending to not be home. He really hadn't been home. That's because he and his brothers and his sister all volunteer at the local children's hospital. They go there to hand out candy, tell ghost stories, and put on a Halloween show for all the sick kids who were stuck in the hospital. It's true, 
said the tallest Boggarty brother, the one dressed up like Captain America. Old Harry came up with the hospital idea years ago. He's always loved Halloween. More than all five of us put together, I'd say, said his other brother, Batman. Starts getting restless just as soon as September rolls around. Mr. Boggarty didn't hate kids, and he certainly didn't hate Halloween. In fact, he loved Halloween so much that he decided to stop handing out candy at home so he could help out at the hospital every year, entertaining some of the kids who couldn't go trick-or-treating. The only problem, explained one of the Bargardy brothers, is that he, my younger brother, never bothered to get his driver's license, so we all take the day off and drive out here to pick him up. Good one, mate, Darby said. All this time we thought you was just some crazy old bloke who liked to mind his own bizzo. Yeah, I feel awful, Trix said. She meant it, too. For years, they were determined to believe that Mr. Boggarty shut off his lights because he hated Halloween. They couldn't have been more wrong. Mr. Boggarty loved Halloween. They all felt bad. Really bad. Wow, Trix said. That's really nice of you, Mr. Boggarty. Going over to that hospital and putting on a Halloween show for those kids? We had no idea you were so... nice. Mr. Boggarty smiled. His cheeks even turned a little red from the compliment. Honestly, Mr. Boggarty, we really didn't have any idea, Darren said. Man, we really are jerks, Preston said. Nah, mate, Darby said. We're the biggest jerks in the whole history of the world. There's no need to apologize, Mr. Boggarty said. I suppose I should have explained myself a lot sooner. I guess I should have realized that a good egging was coming my way. Mr. Boggarty collected up all the kids and led them to the front door. He said he hated to rush them out the door, but he and his brothers and sister were due at the hospital by seven. Can't be late, said Mr. Boggarty. Otherwise, there'll be a lot of disappointed kids. Trix stopped at the bottom of the front porch steps and turned around to face Mr. Boggarty. Mr. Boggarty? Yes, Trixie? Maybe next year you could take me to that hospital with you? Trix asked. It sure sounds like you guys have a lot of fun there with those kids. Yeah, good idea, Darren said. I want to go, too. Me, too. We can all go, mate. A huge grin spread across Mr. Boggarty's face. That would be wonderful, he said. Absolutely wonderful. Trix smiled at the idea as she waved goodbye. Bye, Mr. Boggarty. See you, ghost, mate. Trix couldn't get over the fact that the person she thought was the biggest Halloween grump on the planet turned out to be a sweet old man with a huge Halloween heart. One more thing, kids, Mr. Boggarty called. Everyone turned around to see Mr. Boggarty put the voice changer up to his mouth to shout, Happy Halloween! Well, I hope you all enjoyed this fun and interesting Halloween story. I apologize for the voices. I did my best, but I'm not a voice actor, so it is what it is. Thank you again to Tevin Hansen, the author, as well as Henderson Publishing for allowing me to read Mr. Boggarty, The Halloween Grump. I hope you all enjoyed it. Please stick around because I'm actually going to play for you a song that was written by Tevin Hansen for the book. I didn't want to play it beforehand because I was afraid it would give too much away, but now you all get to enjoy it and I will talk to you next week. Mr. Bogarty, mean as can be. Old Mr. Bogarty, he hates.
for joining me for one of our spooktastic episodes for this Halloween season. Please remember to check out all of the other wonderful shows and productions at nerdsmith.org. As always, you can find me at amethyst underscore magic, and that's magic with a CK on Twitter. I'll be back next week with another spooky Halloween topic for the rest of October, And until then, please remember to geek thyself. In a world that's forgotten the meaning of hero... We're not actually helping that much. It's like a cardboard box. It's all old and kind of ratty. Um, I believe there might be some mistake. I said proctor equipment. Yeah, no, this this is it. Bronze badge, lost and found. Here you go. Mm. <laughs> and the arrow didn't hit bone, so you can reuse it. Reuse the bone? We're looking for a dragon named the Scottish play. There's only so much that editing can do. <laughs> Is there someone else we can talk to? Nobody quite as cheerful as Robin. You mean they get worse? And more privileged, yes. Stone Coast Railway, Kyle! <laughs> Come to Stone Coast Railway! Come on, Kyle! He seemed excited by the prospect. He was, and then he found out that it devalues the painting, and that kind of broke his heart a little bit. His little heart a little bit. <laughs> yeah, how's that feel? Take that. Bad. <laughs> Talk is bad? Oh no! Was there was there a joke was, in there, yeah. Kyle? Did no. you want to? No, fine. Do you want to take another swing at that one? Shenanigans, an actual play D and D podcast, available on nerdsmith.org or wherever you get your podcasts.